Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Caraway. And Lisa Pace. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. We'll be hashtag full squad. Give me about 10, 15 minutes. But for now, I'm joined by Lavender Gooms. Hey, guys. And DJ Mark. Hey, you knuckleheads. Mark's going with the big brother approach. To, uh, yeah, Ferguson brought it back. Knuckleheads. It's great. Those knuckleheads over there doing whatever. Yo, people are. <laughs> some dudes are pissed. Chuck Liddell was so pissed. Chocolate L's like, I didn't put all my fucking time making this seem like a real sport for you fucking idiot. He didn't write it like that, but I got the vibe. Um, All right, kids, boys and girls, we thought we we're going to come out here and immediately talk about the fact that we have a very clear understanding of who the best lightweight in the world is. Uh, we have a completely undisputed lightweight champion, and we quite possibly have the greatest lightweight we've ever seen. All right. All that. The UFC, well, the UFC was just so generous in this card. They're like, you know what? You thought you saw the fights. Let's give you more fights. Exactly. More fights, more fights. So um, those of you who didn't see what happened, and I'm going to give you the Cliff Notes version of what went down. Connor, I mean, the fight itself we'll get to because thanks to Khabib, that was not the second most important part of what happened. Uh, Khabib, great performance. Won the first, won the second, 10-8, lost the third, came back, choked Connor in the fourth. Marcus, real quick, was that a neck crank choke type thing? Was it under the neck or not? I thought it was more of a yeah. or jaw crusher, maybe. Well, yeah, I mean, it's just it, it was a, it was it was a squeeze, you know. Yeah. You want to put it? It wasn't really a rear naked. It was just he got the squeeze on Connor, and I, I, I honestly think we'll we'll get into it when we break down the fight. Like once that was kind of in, Connor was done. Yeah, was, there was no getting out of that. Another one. Khabib has got a got a me. Khabib has got some next level strength. Anyway, fight ends. Uh, Connor uh, Khabib yells at Connor. Khabib. Throws his mouth guard in the direction of Connor's corner. I guess Dylan Danis said, you know, something or not. I don't know. Depends how you're looking at this. But Khabib jumps the cage, um, goes for that flying stomp, like it's, it's like Smash Brothers, kind of. Like he went for the big flying stomp on uh, on Dylan Danis in the corner there. Uh, then some guy, which I'm gonna say is a corner man for Khabib, jumps the fence to get into the cage. Connor at this point is, is up in the cage too. This guy jumps on top of the fence. Connor takes a swing at this dude. Um, that stops. Then two other dudes come in. Two to three other dudes at this point. Two of them are definitely UFC fighters. Not anymore. They're not. Um, one of them gets a real good shot at Connor when he's not paying and when he's not looking. That wasn't great. Um, they didn't got jobs anymore. Um, one of them admitted that they said they did what they said they're going to do, which I mean, I'm not a prosecutor, but that was. Not smart. Wouldn't say that. Um, everything gets separated eventually. Uh, Khabib really wants Dana to put his belt on him. And Dana smartly says, if I put my belt on you, people are going to start throwing shit into this cage. And Khabib seemed okay with that. Which, I mean, I, I wouldn't be. Um, they just tell Khabib to leave. He leaves. And at the end, he gets beer dumped on him. Um, immediate thoughts. Um everybody's got a level of fault in this. Khabib's is just more than everybody else's easily, I think would be a way of putting it. 
Um, heard a lot of real interesting points of views about why it's okay he did what he did, which includes because Connor punched his cornerman, it's okay. Which, I don't know, man, I'm a basketball fan. Mike, when someone just jumped on the court in the middle of that Pistons-Pacers game, I feel all bets are off at that point. I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> but, um, and then, um, really, let's just start off with, um, Kid Presentable's not here. He wanted me to make it clear if he missed the discussion that his thing is he thinks Khabib should be stripped. I really don't care if he gets stripped or not. It's not like any of these belts mean fucking anything anymore. Um, Mike, um, how much did Khabib fuck up here, in your opinion? I think considering that there's thought that he's going to get about a $250,000 fine and is going to possibly be out for maybe a year and lose his title. Yeah, um, I think he messed up pretty bad. Um, if he hadn't done what he'd done, we would have been talking about Habib as, you know, what we rightly should have been talking about him about, you know, um, him dominating McGregor, as a lot of people, I think, thought um, he would. And he's turned himself from a sympathetic figure because, uh, let's face it, um, Connor did worse when he threw a hand truck through a bus. Uh, Habib was the sympathetic figure in, in, in all of this. And now people think of him as the bad guy, which is really amazing when you think about just a series of events. Everybody's a bad guy now. It's great. We've got a heel versus heel program. Um, Marcus, you know, we're not here clutching our pearls. We're all grown men. We recognize... You know, this isn't the greatest, the worst thing to ever fucking happen in the world. I think my point of view, and I know Mike probably the same way with me, we're like, I don't like that this happened because it just makes, like, this sport is hanging on the, like, the fringes of, like, respectability. And it's not that I'm looking to be this sport get a whole bunch of new fans. I just want everybody to get paid well. And we're about to go on ESPN, and that's owned by Disney. And there's a reason they didn't bid five years ago. And it's, Basically, the sport just looked bad. I mean, it was just rough to see all around. I mean, what do you think, Marcus? Yeah, no, I mean, it was definitely a shocking and just tragically foolish uh, series of events that happened um, after a really fantastic card. You know, I, I only did see the main card. I have to assume, you know, the prelims look like they were pretty fun as well. Um, but from what I saw, it was just it was a really good event that had a great buildup. And we got a really good, exciting fight out of Habib and Connor. And then, I mean, for real, it's just like Habib just shoots himself in the foot, like at the first instance he gets, you know. And this is really when you have a grudge match. I mean, I think it was Don Fry said it because he had a, he had a, a very famous grudge match with Ken Shamrock in uh, Pride. They settled that Pride nineteen bad blood, and he he kind of said like, if you have a grudge going into a fight and you still have that grudge after the fight, there's something wrong with you. Like, and I, I guess you know a lot of the anger wasn't really directed. At Connor necessarily after the events here was really at um, his jujitsu coach. You know, you know what? Khabib went out there, Marcus, and said that you. He says he said he was sorry, but then he pretty much just wasn't sorry because he's like, you can't say these things about my family and my religion, which I don't think he said anything about his religion. But you can't say anything about my family mm -hmm. and my father and your country. And you know, fucking what? Yeah, you can. This is United States of fucking America. He can say if he wants. If he wants to say that shit, he can say that shit. It does not mean Khabib can go in there and consequence-free do what he wants. This is, Mike, again, neither of us are prosecutors. We both went to law school. Is it a good defense to go to court and be like, hey, man, two, day, two or three days ago, this Irish dude said a bunch of mean shit, and then I decided to attack him outside of the bounds of actual 
organized sport. What do you think? Is that a good defense? <laughs> uh, maybe in some other countries, sure. Mm. Not in the United States of America. Um, <laughs> you can pretty much say whatever the hell you want to people. Mm. They're still not allowed to touch you. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, Marcus, uh, sorry to cut you off, but yeah, it was. <sighs> Go ahead. Well, you were whatever, but you were making a point. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I don't know what that point was anymore. Uh, but I mean, yeah, there, there, there's there's no excuse for you know jumping out of the octagon and attacking the person regardless of what they say i mean yeah there's no laws against it it i've there have been many times when family has been brought into these kind of debates and a lot of fighters feel like that's kind of taboo um and, and habib's not the first one i think it was ken and tito i think even tito said it when he was talking about uh, when he was dating uh jenna jameson or something like don't bring my family and kids into this shit this is about you and me so i mean there is lines but they get crossed all the time you know, you're not supposed to throw hand carts at buses. You know, a lot of things happen that not supposed to. Um, It's just really, it just makes Habib look bad because if this stuff happened before the fight, then you can mark it up as promotion and gimmicks or just testosterone getting thrown around. But, like, you literally just beat the guy. Like, this is your moment to shine. This is the moment where Connor has to sit on the side and watch you get the belt. And then you get to talk to Joe Rogan. And you get to say whatever you want about Connor and how he's a fake and how he, you know, he boasts himself up. But when it came down to, you know, time to fight, he didn't have anything for. I mean, he could have said anything. He could have, and Connor wouldn't have any retaliation, right? It's like you literally, you talked a big game about how you're gonna smash me, and you know, I'm nobody, and I just beat the shit out of you for pretty much four rounds, and you know, and just cranked your neck, and I'll do it again. You know, let's do this again. I'll beat you every day because I mean, that's what I got from this. Is like Habib really just he had Connor scouted out. Connor didn't really have much to give Habib besides the third round, where I think Connor kind of squeaked away with. But we'll get to that. But yeah, it was just, this was his time to shine and say whatever he wanted, and he just threw it all away. He threw the glory of the match away because this is what we're talking about. And this is what everyone's talking about is is kind of the mayhem that that um, led uh, after the fight. So it's just really unfortunate because um, this was really you know probably his greatest achievement in his career easily and. He threw it away so fast for seemingly to us, you know, very little. Like, this guy's talking shit about your dad. I mean, that's fucked up. But, you know, it, it this whole leading, it, what's weird is leading up to this fight, Connor has been trying to get under Habib's skin. It's, it's literally part of his fight plan. He wants you to get pissed off and mad at him. So you come out and rush him and he counter lefts you and wins the fight in 20 seconds. This is all part of the strategy for Connor. And Habib didn't play into it at all. He was silent and stoic throughout press conferences and stare downs he's not the one that hit the arms he's not the one that threw a kick at the weigh-ins he was the one that was cool calm and collected and it seems like all of that led into him having a fantastic performance and then it's just so stupid to at the point where you literally accomplish your goal just to immediately take that diploma take whatever you've been working for that trophy and just smash it against the ground or crumple it up it's just like dude you just you just won like you should be so happy you, you should be it so much be. smarter than that it's just it was so dumb and like so, uh, and uh, like, look the thing about like i mean i saw this shit today where like people are think there's some sort of conspiracy theory but like well how come you're not talking about connor swinging at his cornerman first off all the fucking cornermen were told that they know i talked about how they had meetings with both teams and the security nobody's allowed in the octagon until dana white's in there and he just he says who gets to come into that thing this motherfucker hopped the fence and then, then, okay, then he tried to hop another fence. Connor shouldn't have hit him. He's wrong to do that. Connor shouldn't have swung at that guy. Okay? It makes everybody feel better. Connor was wrong too. But do you know what was happening by the time Connor swung at that guy? Khabib had entered the fucking, you know, ringside area, the cage side area. You know what I mean? Like, he, he'd already, was, shit was out. 
You know what I mean? The toothpaste was out of the tube. He'd started this shit. It was already happening. Like, it was already going. So, yeah, Connor was wrong, too. And this shit, okay, Mike, I was hoping Stefan would be here for this, too. But, like, oh, it's different. Because DC was like, oh, different cultures, man. Mike, I'm first generation. You're first generation. Has different cultures ever let any of us get away with fucking anything? <laughs> um, no. As you uh, mentioned earlier, uh, we both went to law school for three years. Uh, the different culture approach does not work in a court of law. Um, what really matters is the culture that you are currently in. All right. Doesn't really matter what went not what went down in the old world. It's about where you are now. And um, you know, yeah, Connor said a lot of stupid shit. Wait, oh, excuse me. Uh, Connor said a lot of stuff before the fight. And here's one of the beautiful things about being an MMA or boxing. You have a chance to punch the person in the face sanctioned by a state athletic commission for 25 minutes, possibly. Yep. Why the hell are you trying to fight people after the bell? And I know the people and who are just like, oh, it's like, well, we're not talking about the court of law. You know, you got to do what you got to do. That's great. And then, but, uh, you know, great. Habib did what he had to do. He had to defend his family. That's awesome. And let's not, but let's not dismiss the fact that he better be, he has to now accept the consequences of what the fuck he did. And if he's fine yeah. with that, so be it. But my man just got a $2 million paycheck. If he was fighting, if he was fighting, if he was fighting Tony Ferguson, that would have been two hundred thousand dollars. They're holding the biggest paycheck of his goddamn life. All right, he he's about to, he made so much money that he can now. You know what? He he doesn't have to go kiss the ass of the Chechen warlord. He doesn't have to accept money from that guy. He made that much money. All right. And by the way, just because Khabib beat this guy, it does not mean Ali Abdelaziz is not the shadiest motherfucker ever. And half this and the stuff Connor say, was saying wasn't true. Just want to point that out. All right. Um, you it know, was a, a few noteworthy things did happen as a result of this. Um, you know, we haven't had a cross promotional fight, I think, since uh, the UFC and Pride. Yo, man, we had a little UFC Bellator action up in this card, man. It was great. That's right, Dylan no, Dennis and little Dylan Dennis, little uh, Habib, and then the other great thing I loved was um, Con uh, not Connor. Habib goes on at uh, midnight, um, Las Vegas time. He issues a statement, and he's talking about. I don't understand why people are still talking about me jumping on jumping on cage uh connor did this connor did that connor did this like he was indignant towards the bds oh why are you still talking about this like yo bro we're still in the arena where you jumped on this cage why else do you think we're talking about this this should happen 20 minutes ago yeah, wait, 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 yeah, man it's still stuff still there's still you're still sweaty from it <laughs> it's um yeah man it's just yeah it, it's, there's no like people are looking like everybody likes to just assign blame to one person and it's weird these days like people are fans of conor mcgregor and habib and i've talked about this before like you you don't have to support every fucking thing the person does we're right when the diaz brothers stomped out fucking jason mayhem miller that was really bad all right nate diaz is maybe my favorite fighter i'm not sure was nate one of the stompers probably Okay, but like, you know, they were all getting yeah, stomped. Look, that okay, it was wrong. Everything Rampage does is wrong. Okay, it's you can separate that shit, man. It's just, man, it's disappointing. Um, 
Before Stefan's not in yet, but let's just ask you guys. Um, I said I don't. Stefan Wan says they should strip him. I don't care. Honestly, it doesn't make a difference to me whether they strip him for that title or not. Um, Mike, strip him, don't strip him, or you don't care. Um, I don't care. I, I truly do not care. Um, I'll watch his next fight, but I'm really more interested to see what Connor does. Oh, there we go. <laughs> my, my, um, Mark, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it really mostly depends on what the commission, uh, how, how strictly they punish Habib, right? Because if it's a, if it's a thing where he's going to be gone for a long time, then yeah, strip him because he's not going to be able to defend the belt. And I mean, more to the point, um, I'm kind of with you guys where I don't really care that much because literally at the pressers of this press event, there's fucking four belts on three guys. Yeah, the belts really don't have much meaning anymore at this point. So Habib having the belt or not having the belt, everyone's going to know that he beat Connor. He's I mean, a legitimate, you know, the best fighter at lightweight right now. So who cares if he has the belt? I mean, or not? Marcus, I'm sure he cares because his paycheck probably greatly differs when he's champion or not. But from my end of things, okay, whatever. Yeah. Oh, I imagine that when he comes back, if he's allowed to, and I assume that he'll probably get, you know, some kind of suspension of fine and be welcome back to fight. Um, that he'll be fighting for a belt where whatever his next fight is, I have to assume. And 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 it's true, he probably won't be the holder if they strip him, but he'll be the challenger. You still get a better paycheck sponsor-wise because of that. And obviously he gets the belt back, he'll have um, you know, the the money belt with him again. So I don't think it's good him getting stripped is gonna necessarily negate his income, you know, horribly for a long amount of time. It, it's really what that what that um uh, suspension, how long that is, that's obviously going to be a big factor on his and earnings. Fuck, and man, let's hope there's no criminal charges and it doesn't affect his visa, visa status because people are just like, oh, well, Connor did all that bus shit. His visa's fine. I mean, I feel I can personally explain to you that uh, if you're from a country that's questionable or an area that's questionable or you're of a questionable religion, your visa status is a little bit different than the status of somebody coming from Western Europe. Just putting that out there for you folks all right can say it with full confidence um but yeah okay fight itself um i go uh marcus i'm gonna have you break down the end of it but let's just you know because we're already 20 minutes into this thing but just first round i'd say habib got the takedown caught the takedown able secure position won the round wouldn't really didn't land a lot of shots connor was pretty active and habib really wasn't working towards any shots Second round, he hit Conor McGregor with the, as hard as he can hit somebody, basically. Overhand right, Marcus, correct? If I'm not mistaken, yep. hit him with the overhand right. Put Conor in his ass. Unleashed a Shane Carwin on Brock Lesnar level beating. I'm comparing it to that one because uh, uh, the guy didn't go away, but there was at least four times where referees like, uh, we, pro we might stop. No, we're going to stop this. No, no, wait. Oh. And then um, Conor got up at the if, end of the round. If I can, I do want to interject probably my favorite part of the fight was and i think we talked about the commentary a lot we talk about how we like dominic cruz but i have to say again he's he's a very smart commentator he gets a little biased and he says some stuff that doesn't really fly logically and i like that joe was the counterpart the logical man because when he's getting bombed on for a good 30 seconds of just getting smashed on he then later says that i think connor's trying to gas out habib which i'm watching it as like Dude, he has no control over this scenario right now. He's not. He's trying to fucking survive, man. Punch more, yeah. So I like how Joe's like, no, I think he's just trying to survive right now. I don't think Connor has much negotiation power in this scenario to dictate 
what's happening and is in control of the situation. And I think there's a couple of times where and, and, and Dominic kind of walked it back a little bit, but I like how they can kind of have a back and forth and keep each other in check when things are getting like, yeah, I don't really think that's what's necessarily going on at the moment. He's kind of just getting pounded out. So um, I did appreciate that balance in the commentary to kind of show you, like, yeah, maybe that's not. I, man, quite. I, li- I like them together, though. Over this whole side thing, I think. I, I, think, I, I think they balance each other. That's out. my that that's example. my favorite team. I like DC and Rogan too, but DC gets real broy sometimes with Rogan. But I like I like Dom and Rogan the most with that combo out there. Um, third round, Khabib looked a little tired. Quite frankly, he might be was trying to recover from. He really unleashed, fucking full blast on Connor in there, and um. Connor was able to win the third round on all three judges' scorecards. Just landing the cleaner shots. Nothing that really hurt Khabib too badly. Uh, the crowd popped for anything he did because it's Connor McGregor, but he was landing some shots. I started, I started thinking, oh man, Connor's still here. Um, fourth round, Khabib got him down. Got that, we talked about like a neck crank or jaw crusher slash choke or something. Connor was done. There was no getting out of that. He tapped out, and then we had a riot. Um, Marcus, I want to. Marcus, would you? Uh, I guess overall view of Khabib's performance, which was, except for that one round, fucking great, huh? <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I think he had a really smart performance. And leading up to this fight, after we did our show, um, I want to give a shout out to Share Dog, who we don't really talk about a lot on the podcast, but has been a long time MMA website. It's actually the first site that I went to when I was getting into the sport, and they have a really good series called The Film Room. And they did breakdowns of Connor and Habib, and they they broke down not only just in text about like what these guys do, where they're the most successful, where they're kind of vulnerable, um, but they 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 combined video clips to kind of show you like yeah, and, and what I what I noticed is like Connor is where he gets his kill shot is always his counter left when he has to kind of lead the dance and he throws the strikes first first and it's not off a counter, he's not as effective, and that's kind of what we saw him in the third round. He he never really got that kill shot. He never got Habib to really just throw something crazy and wild like we've seen him throw and then catch him with that counter. Habib was more reserved. He made Connor lead the dance. And when he found those openings to shoot, he shot. And more important than that, it kind of what we knew about Habib, a lot of his, especially the shot in the first round, it wasn't one of the shots where he gets a takedown off the shot. He was stuck in a single for a long time. He had to transition to a double. He eventually had to drag him to the mat. But that's really... For me, when we were breaking down the fight, it's like it, I didn't expect Habib to shoot a power double and get the takedowns that way. It's really he needs to get a hold of Connor and be able to kind of control him just in a clinch for a second, and then he'll work for a takedown. And usually, what he does is body locks, trips a leg, or at least blocks a leg, and then throws the um, center of axis of his opponent off kilter and gets the takedowns that way. And that's really. Well, you, you can tell when Habib is really going for a takedown, he's going to block a leg and then try to shift in that direction to do the takedown. So it was really, he he couldn't get him down and solidify him in the first round. He kind of had him in three quarters guard. But it was really the second round where it was really the punch that that got the whole, um, the train in motion. And then really in the fourth round where you knew it was over was even before he really got his back. It was when he went for the shot, got him down, Connor worked himself up back to the base, but that's when Habib got his back. And that's when I knew and what the commentators, I think Rogan called it out, like this fight's kind of a wrap. When Habib has your back standing, that's usually when he can fucking suplex you. That's where he has his ultimate control, where he's going to be able to ride you. And whether he's riding you and he lets you build your base back up to throw you again, he has complete control of him at that point. And what Habib did, he, he didn't have the energy to go for a big suplex. He literally just dragged this fucker to the ground. And then was able to get him in a transition when Connor was trying to build back up. 
get the hooks in, go for the uh, the neck crank, the rear naked uh, choke. And like we talked about earlier, I, I feel I don't want to, you know, I, I hate to kind of talk about guys' heart and when they kind of give, but I think Connor, a lot of times when he's hurt, when he's tired, when he's beaten, and he gives up the back and they go for the choke, I don't think he fights it too much. I don't think he fought this one too much. I don't think he fought it too hard when uh, Diaz got him on the ground. He kind of just mentally at that point is just like, dude, this is this is this is a wrap. And uh, he got a he got it wasn't a it wasn't a rear naked choke. It wasn't under the chin, but Habib locked that shit up and was squeezing. There was no way Connor was going to get out of it, even if he tried to fight for it. Um, it was a really it was a fantastic performance uh, from Habib, and I, I didn't know if he would get a finish. I kind of thought Habib would just kind of win the rounds and get a decision just honestly marcus when we got the round four when it gets to the like past round three i was like okay we might just go to decision here right this is um i want to bring steph in just joining us here steph we hit a lot of the i'm here topics um yeah uh we talked about uh i mean i said i mean i want you to expand a little bit if you could on you thinking habib should be stripped um i think the rest of us we all came down on we don't care about the belts at all at this point, so they can or can't strip him. It's kind of, you know, Marcus Morso came by down, I believe, on if he's going to be out for a while, you might as well strip him. Um, just your overall thoughts on what happened, you know, I guess. Uh, post, post, are we talking post-fight? Yeah, post-fight. Let's be honest. Habib made that the story, so. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I will say I did think he would finish him because Habib really wanted to finish him, you know. Um, I think Habib takes the foot uh, off the pedal sometimes, and I, I, he did with Iaquinta, right? He, he even joked, like, I wanted to show my boxing. I knew I had this in the bag, so I'm going to show my boxing. And he did just that. Um, the post-fight, uh, it was kind of a travesty. It's um, someone I saw, I caught the tail end of the press conference, and one of the last questions, comma, statements that was made to Dana, um, and Dana even circled out, like, that's a damn good point. That's a damn good question. And I fully agreed with um, Habib ruined the biggest moment of his life. You remember when John Jones said that Rashad Evans spoiled his big, his special moment. Khabib, he spoiled Khabib's special moment. Um, and that's really the sad thing about it is he had the chance to take the high ground. Connor, though I love him, he's entirely a bully. He Everything he does is a bully mentality. And the way you be better than a bully is to not do what the bully does. The, t- he, has the, he has all the high ground in the world to be better than him in that moment. You know, and he's the one who, who wants to defend, you know, family, religion and all those things. You don't have the high ground when you take these actions. Um, so why do I think he should be stripped? Part of it is just the nihilist in me. Like I kind of joked with you, I want the nuclear option. Mm-hmm. I want the option where all shit that can hit the fan does hit the fan. But he committed a criminal act in that moment going out of the cage. Um, you know, what remains to be seen even though we make jokes about it because we have a lot of parties we like involved, that strike force moment was a big black eye on the sport. Exactly. Um, fucking, uh, sorry, what's his name saying these things happen in MMA. That was a horrible quote. Uh, who, who am I thinking of Bob? The, uh, Gus Johnson. Gus Gus Johnson. and Oh my God, you guys were talking about Dominic Cruz. Oh, Dominic, Dominic basically Cruz. said it. <laughs> he's like, he's like, I don't want to justify this. I, you know, I would never condone this. These, this is not the way MMA is supposed to be. But sometimes this is the fight game. And I was yeah. like, Dominic, what the fuck? It was why, so good. He was doing perfect. You, <laughs> he was like, doing perfect. <laughs> everyone knows that when you break up a thought with the word but, everything that preceded that but means nothing. 
and Dominic fell into that trope. I don't know what he was thinking. It's one of those things where sometimes I think Dominic as a commentator, he's not comfortable with silence, that he I... feel like he has to say something, even if it's the wrong thing to say. That's one of his flaws as a commentator, unfortunately. Um, and that was a moment like that. I, I, I think yeah. he should be I think he should be stripped because it's real. It, it's there is I know a lot of people don't like what Connor did. I think Connor's punishment should have been harsher than it was, but there Dana pointed out there is a big difference when you put the paying crowd into the crosshairs of the moment. Um the bus, it was awful. There was criminal acts. There are going to be civil suits from it. Some of the fighters will continue to try to get money out of Connor, and rightfully so. But this was different. This is there are our fans in attendance in the crowd. The governor know, was there. The governor who oversees <laughs> the commission was there and left the building during that, you know, fracas. Um, it is a very bad look because what is the key difference between this and strike force? The eyes of the world were on this moment. And for, you know, for a sport that was just working for traction to get legalized across the board only just a year or two ago, this is a terrible, terrible look. Everyone who ever had, you know, reservations about the sport, they have much more ammunition for it. Again, I've all, and I'm the one who's always been to the point that this sport is a niche sport. I don't expect it to ever break across the fringes. It'll have moments where it can, right? When you have yeah, transcendent. Just don't stars. make it worse, though, huh, man? Let's not make but it worse. <laughs> this doesn't help any parties involved. Yes, it'll sell a rematch, but it taints a lot of what people think of the sport. And it's unfortunate, you know, we, we love it. And I, the one thing I hate is dealing with really poorly educated opinions on the sport. And those will just be more amplified now more than ever due to these events. And as I mentioned about 12 times, Connor shouldn't have punched that guy who started climbing the cage. That's that makes everybody feel better. He's Wait, wrong too. Wait, why, why not though? I mean, I would have done it too. I think you should yeah, have been able to. On. What, 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 why are we trying to say Connor did anything wrong? Oh, uh, no, God. Men were not supposed to be in there. The only reason the dude is hopping over a fence, I would think, is to try to get some of this. And if he wants some of this, I'm going to give him some back with interest if I'm Connor. Yeah, did, but you know did what? You guys, Connor, did you guys actually see when they threw strikes at each other? Because I actually got to watch it. And there's a funny moment for a split second where they make eye contact. They're just looking they at each like, other. They're like, wait. <laughs> What? And they both the punch yeah. so they didn't know what to do. <laughs> no, um, yeah, he should have done that shit. Yeah, and I think the Great. only reason why that's kind of important and because I watching the broadcast, I had no idea that um someone jumped in the cage and Connor threw a punch at someone. Cause to me, after the event, it just seemed like, man, Connor was completely humble in defeat, didn't do anything wrong, it just got sucker punched for no reason. Having the slight context that he engaged with one person at least fills in the picture a little bit more. Cause I literally thought Here's Conor McGregor, uh, the the angel, sitting in the corner being like, why is he attacking my friend? Who's jumping in here? Why am I getting hit? To, to know that there was some kind of confrontation. It doesn't validate it at all whatsoever, but it just it, it fills in some colors that like, you know, I, thought, I, 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 just, I thought he was just sitting in the cage just being like, what's going on? This gets sucker punched out of nowhere. It's like, okay, there was, there was a brawl inside the octagon as well. Yeah. Wasn't really seen on the broadcast because i, had well, no I mean, idea. to be clear the people that came and punched him weren't that guy who was standing on the cage no i'm just saying it because every mma reporter has got to deal with people i'm looking at twitter which guys there's gonna be a lot less this time amazing activity on twitter because i'm not gonna be the one to do it anymore because this place is a fucking cesspool 
But every journal, MMA journalist is like, yeah, man, we saw him punch that guy. Who gives a shit? The other guy started a riot. Uh, people came in from the crowd. What the? Those two guys weren't cornermen. A little factoid too. So we'll have to get the pay-per-view numbers. But right now, well over two, less than three. Oh, if if it's two point nine or less, they did not have more viewers than Strike Force Nashville. I mean, yeah, but those people didn't pay money. So the world was watching. I'm just saying. When you said the world was watching, hey, I was man, like, wait, this this shit was I, on. I, how many people? How many people is a buy though? I don't even know. Like one pay one pay per view buy is not one person. They don't measure. This wasn't it a like pay per view. This wasn't a no. Pay-per-view. I'm saying. I'm saying. As you said, two point nine. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. It could be you know more saying? people. Maybe, maybe. I mean, I'm my house, saying. my house was three. I'm just saying. Two point nine. That's the goal. Um. All right. We spent half an hour on one fight, which sounds fair enough. Um. You know what? We, uh, let's just uh, let's just breeze through some a lot of this, uh, this right here. What's going to happen next? It seems like Conor McGregor wants a rematch, and if Conor McGregor wants a rematch, there's going to be a rematch. Khabib should like should thank his lucky stars. Conor wants to do a rematch because after Khabib pays that fine. That paycheck's going to be a little bit lighter. So if he wants to get paid, if Connor wants to bless him with another payday, Khabib should be thrilled. He'll probably win too. Good for him. Um, co-main event, ugly Tony and pretty Tony, Stefan. Um, we went, we went, we were on the show. And we said, this is going to be the best fight of the night. And we were not wrong, huh, buddy? <laughs> um, if it doesn't get stopped uh, in going into the third round, we po- probably had the fight of the year candidate. Um, you might even keep it on the list anyways, as is. Um I want to give props because how many times has it come up in one way or another? Absolute props to uh, Duke Rufus for knowing his fighter, knowing his fighter's limits, and putting it up there for him. Um, it's way too... Uh, we, we, we've come down on a lot of corners for not knowing when a fighter doesn't have what it takes to go out there and take more damage. So uh, kudos to that. Um, kudos to Anthony Pettis. We, I've, I've been one of his harshest critics, and it's trickled down to his brother as a result. Um, and we'll talk about it later. Look what happened when I finally believed in Sergio Pettis. Um, that shows me my mistake. Stop! Don't don't believe in the Pettis brothers because they lose in pairs. They lose in. Pairs, I can't believe but... you guys all joined me with that pick. I'm like, this is a mistake, boys. But okay, sure. <laughs> I'm not. A, I'm not a fan of Formiga. But that said, um, Pettis, whatever mental blocks that seem to be plaguing him since he lost his belt, he looked the closest to Showtime Pettis in a long time here. He was very game, but you know, to the winner. Tony Ferguson showed absolutely everything that makes us believe in Tony Ferguson. Um, you know, Mark is the one who always points out that man's heart and his will. And when that motherfucker just started spinning and rolling after he had his like lights, like, you know, rocked, you know, that was incredible. The fact that he survived, you know, uh, you said Habib was putting it on him. Pettis put a better flurry on Tony in that ground and pound than um, even Habib got on McGregor. And I do wonder, because there was one missed punch where, uh, I mean, he says he broke it on the punch, but there's one punch in there where Pettis misses and he just punches the ground. Like, I think that's what diving did it. In. I, if it, if, I think if that did it, it man. If, <laughs> if it was fractured on the punch that landed on Tony, it was definitely broken on that one that hit the ground. I worried for him in that moment. It, it came true. But, um, yeah, it's a classic Tony Ferguson fight, right? He's a little bit of a slow starter. Um, he takes one to get one. But he mixes it up like crazy. Those thigh kicks, those ankle kicks, those body kicks, those hooks, those spinning elbows. Like it was he's... a masterful performance, and it showed a lot. From honestly, I like, I like, I thought both men did well. Obviously, Tony did much better. And there was that moment, though. I mean, Mike, I'm gonna ask you about this because 
when Tony got cracked, Stefan turns to me and says, oh, man, Connor would sleep Tony. Um, what did you think of the fight? And, yeah, man, Tony gets hit a good amount. He has a hell of a chin, huh? <laughs> I thought it was a good fight. Um, I do think that, you know, um, it's it's amazing just the fact that Tony Ferguson had major deconstruction six months ago. And, you know, the guy who was commentating, um, wow, why am I blanking on his name right now? Um, Dominic? Yes. Uh, you know, Dominic, who's gone through, you know, one or two uh, very uh, extensive knee constructions. Uh, four? Three? Oh, yeah. Three or four. A lot. Um, like five years worth. <laughs> he, he talked about that the normal rehab process is about nine months. And then, you know, normally you can maybe start a fight camp. And he did all of this in six months. And outside of the first round when Pettis got some really good leg kicks in. And he looked hurt, man. That was, that, it was like the second leg kick where I'm like, ah, oh, he didn't like that one. <laughs> You know, at, at first, I think we all started thinking, oh, man, maybe he did come back too quickly, but he looked great. Um, I do feel bad for Pettis. Um, if he did break his hand on that uh, on that punch, man, that's just that's just bad luck. You know, like you actually the, the, the punch that actually gives you the opportunity to win the fight, you know, it kind of screws you over at the same time. Yeah, hell of a fight. Um, Tony Ferguson deserves a fight for the belt. He might have just gotten fucked by this whole thing. We'll see what happens. Um, we're gonna breeze through the rest of this thing. If I'm being honest with you guys, um, you have. But we're just gonna be. What, we're gonna. What, we're gonna talk about one man. Don't worry. Um, was Dominic Reyes an OSP at this point, or was it the Derek Lewis time? Yeah. No, you're right. Reyes um, Dominic Reyes is to be taken seriously, folks. He's young. He has really good hands. And I'm just gonna make an assumption here. You you train with Joe Stevenson. You know how to grapple a little bit. Um, it was a very good performance. He clearly is not used to game. He is never out of the first round. OSP was still standing, so Dominic slowed down a little bit. But overall, a really good performance by a young fighter. Um, and the this is you had to, you wanted to look good, man. You had all these people watching. It would have been nice if you got a finish. Um, but really good performance. Now, Black Beast. Derek Lewis. Did anybody join me in this pick with the man with the hurt back, which was clearly hurt and he didn't I don't train? Think so. I think you were the only you were one. by yourself. Oh, man, I was not feeling good about this fight because Derek Lewis said he's just going to blitzkrieg him in the first round, and the first round is this dude picking Derek Lewis apart. Derek Lewis lost this entire fight up until the point where he uncorked this right hand from hell. Um, finished with ground and pound, did the thing where he humped the mat, and then by the time Joe Rogan was interviewing him, the man had no pants on. Which, Stefan, that was a new one. Um, no pants. And why did Derek Lewis have no pants, Stefan? His balls were hot. His balls were hot. Um, Derek Honestly, Lewis. That, that is the only. I was saying this to you about that, his whole post fight. As entertaining as it was, my balls are hot is the only thing you can quote from that speech. Because that man. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> the, censor, the censoring that would need to air that man's speech. Um, it'd be like those old hip hop songs on the radio back in the day where it just goes silent. For like seven seconds, and they're like, "We can't play this verse." That was that was Black Beast on that mic right there. Um, yeah, and he went out there and they had a Donald Trump line, which you don't need to go out there and get political. A certain fighter on the preliminary card who's not going to get our attention did that, and was a real fucking scumbag with that move. But um, Derek Lewis said Donald Trump called me before the fight, told me to knock this Russian motherfucker out. 
Tobin said you're making me look bad on the news. <laughs> Fuck what y'all talking about. USA in this hoe. There was something else in the middle there I lost. Um, they, he, they, they, uh, Joe Rogan said you should get a fight for a title. And Derek Lewis is like, Fuck you talking about, man. I got to go get some cardio. <laughs> um, so there's that. Uh, he also, what do you say? He said he's going to come on Joe's show and smoke weed with him. Yeah, like one to two weeks. Yeah, he has, he's, Derek's got to recover. He's that tired. Yeah, um, the, gr- the great part about that interview was that, what was it, the Michelle Watterson fight? I think it was right before it. Mm-hmm. And I was watching this uh, with a bunch of people. And one of the guys, after hearing Michelle Watterson talk, he just goes, man, that girl's boring. Like, she's saying nothing. And then I told him, well, if this next guy, Derek Lewis, wins, he'll he'll tell you some stuff that you'll enjoy. And, man, did he not disappoint. Yeah, man, my unlocked up quote of the year, barring Nate Diaz saying some wild shit in about three weeks, which, hell, could happen. Let's be honest with ourselves. I, 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 I just want to point out one thing because I know we're getting into all of his funny talk antics, but I want to talk about that punch because that was some fucking anime shit. Did you guys catch how he set it up? Which I don't think was on purpose. I honestly don't think. I was going to say set up. <laughs> what did he no, set up? was a setup that lead to that punch that impressed the shit. I mean, actually, Derek Lewis had a few points in this match when he ha- when the guy had his back. He had a good escape. And when he was side mounted, he actually used some actual techniques. I was like, shit, I didn't know this guy. He knew he knew his stuff on the ground, how to get back up. But what I like about that setup punch, you might have to watch the replay again, is he throws the setup jab, but it doesn't hit his face. And thank God it didn't because he probably would have missed the overhand right. It hits his chest, which knocks uh, Alexander like an inch higher, and it sets up that right hand. That is some anime bullshit. That's some, that's some Hajime no Ipo like, oh, oh, no, it hit his chest. Wait, it lined up the punch and he knocked it. was like watching that replay. I was like, fuck, that jab set up that right hand perfectly. It also didn't it didn't hurt that Alexander threw a knee off that, which had him kind of leaning back. And it just it all just coalesced to this perfect fucking anime moment. And I was like, holy shit, that was sick. <laughs> uh, speaking of anime, that's a perfect word, because Bobby made kind of a comment in passing while watching this fight. And as I sat and thought about it, it was so damn apt. It was Basically, Derek Lewis is the fusion technique of Dragon Ball Z of Mark Hunt and Quentin Rampage Jackson. If you melt, I was proud of that one, man. That's kind of who the hell Derek Lewis is. It's like where, like, it's like that Mark Hunt thing where, like, oh, he actually has kind of learned how to get up. Like, you don't expect him to have any techniques, and you're like, oh, he actually is trying. He is kind of learning, even though at the same time he's not really that serious at the same time. And then just personality wise, he's all those kind of old school Quentin Rampage in Japan. Uh, yeah. Back when Rampage was fun. Back when yeah. he was fun. Back yeah. when he was fun. Um yeah, props to Derek Lewis. He's a character. Yeah, I mean it's not lost on us guys. Um right before the podcast started, we saw Brett Okamoto. And um I think I sent this to you guys all because Mike and I at least talked about it. I think it was there but per sources, UFC has open talks around a Daniel Cormier versus Derek Lewis heavyweight title fight to headline UFC two thirty on November third in New York. Now, Mike, why is this fight not going to happen? Well, the reason why it's not going to happen, one, Derek Lewis needs to work on his cardio. cardio. What the F you talking about? And the other reason is that just last week, Daniel Cormier had to say for maybe the umpteenth time, hey, guys, my hand is broken. I can't fight until at least January. Yeah, so there's that. 
And man, Stefan, they do not want to give a Diaz brother any leverage over them, huh? They really don't want to give Nate what he wants. <laughs> I mean, dude, what happened to the Valentina fight? Is that just still there, or are we just? Oh no, no everybody's trash, dude. They're, they're, that's still there, but they actually got mainstream outlets like talking about how UFC has fucked up this main event. <laughs> so they got to I mean, do something. I, I've been told for years that Madison Square Garden is a big deal for MMA, and they're not treating it like that. They did the first two times. We had six title fights between two events. Okay, that's what we got last time, last two times. Um, yeah, I don't know what the fuck they're doing. Um, Nate Diaz has got like an eight pack, so um, we'll see what's going on there. Um, Michelle Waterson, good win over Felice Herring. Formiga beat Sergio Pettis. Said nothing in the cage, and then backstage he said he thinks he can beat Henry Cejudo. Which okay, Aspen Lad fucking smoked Tanya Evinger. Aspen Ladd is 2-0 in the UFC with two knockouts, and she has more knockouts at 135 pounds than every than any fighter, any women's fighter uh, besides Ronda Rousey or what's her name? Help me out. Holly? The, champion. the, the, no. champ, the champion? The champion. Amanda Nunes. Sorry. Amanda Nunes. So, yeah, Aspen Ladd is 23 years old. She almost she looked like she hated making weight, but we got to keep an eye on this girl. Um, she's clearly a legit... I mean, enough to, I mean, I think the world of Tanya Avenger, and she cut through her like fucking like a hot knife through butter, man. It was not even a thing. She's got a win over Sijara Eubanks too, which, I mean, okay, that girl's three and two, fighting for a belt, Madison Square Garden. Um, Yeah, it was a hell of a card, man. That was, I think that's the best way we can put it. It was a hell of a card. It ended on a really sour note, which was, which kind of sucked. Um... Fuck it. I think we're, are we, are we want to put 229 to bed. Anything else you guys want to say? Now nah, we're good. Hell yeah. Okay. Um, now, I wanted to talk about some MMA history because, Marcus, this is a special one. I mean, I found the I mean, I'm just going to ignore the other thing I found. I found two events. Let's just talk about the one that matters. October 4th, 2008. We thought we were going to see Kimbo fight Ken Shamrock. Ken Shamrock. What did he get? A gash on his head or he fucking got something? He got, he got cut. cut. Grappling with his nutritionist or something. Something was happening with Ken. All right? So they needed somebody to fight Kimbo. Frank Shamrock volunteered, apparently. And they're like, nah, we can't do that for some reason. I know. Seth Petrozelli. He's the man for the job. Marcus, what happened? I mean, they, they didn't know that Seth is actually a stand-up fighter who has you know some combat sports history, so he was more well-prepared than Kimball was for that Have night. you seen the video of uh, Joe Rogan watching it live where he calls it? I don't think so. Oh, he's like but... drunk. Or he's like drunk, and he's like, Kimbo versus Petrozelli's about to happen. I th he's like, Kimbo's a bad motherfucker, but Petrozelli fucks him up, I think. If, if that doesn't happen, you're not going to see this video ever. <laughs> and then Petrozelli, how long did it take, man? Oh, it was seconds, probably within 10 seconds or so. It was like yeah. one of the first punches thrown. Yeah, really derailed some of the, the hype train for Kimbo. But, I mean, that was to kind of be expected. I mean, there's a reason why he was fighting Ken Shamrock instead of someone like Seth, um, who was still, you know, a younger fighter who was kind of like, I, I don't know if I'd say in, in the prime of his career, but definitely someone who was an active combatant that, you know, could take a hit a lot better than Ken. Um, it was just last minute matchmaking that really didn't work out, but, uh, you know, I mean, it, it, it ended a goddamn promotion basically. Yeah. And it gave, you know, Petrozelli a little bump in, you know, acknowledgement, but didn't really last all that long either. Um, you know, he had a couple more fights. I think he might've had a small stint, stint in the UFC after that. 
Um, but yeah, I didn't really get much out of it besides, you know, derailing, you know, an organization and dethroning, um, you know, the street champ. They may have asked him not to take Kimbo down. What was that? Remember that whole shit stuff? Yeah, there was like, you're going to give him extra money if he didn't shoot. And like, I think Seth was like, yeah, dude, I'll stay with this I mean, we, we, we got, we got that, uh, that famous gif of Dana White turning the camera going, that's fucking illegal. That's where it came from. Him talking about them offering Petrozelli money to not take Kimbo down. God, Elite XC was such a shit show. <laughs> such a shit show. I got hopes, Mike, because that was run by Gary Shaw and his son. I got hopes that Delahoy is not going to let me down, and he's going to have a true shit show of an MMA organization too in a, in a couple months. What do you think? Look, I think that your legitimate MMA organizations, and then you got to have the organizations that are giving you the fights people really want to see, the freak show fights, all right? And the fights that don't really make much sense. Now, in this day and age of MMA, frankly, some of those lines are being blurred. The UFC is giving us some of those. Bellator is giving us some of those. So what this means is that De La Oya really has to stand out with what he does here. Okay. Logan Paul, Logan Paul, man. Logan Paul. (laughs) No, that sounds, that sounds horrible to me. So he should do it. He should, he should pee into the wind, take a hard left into the muck. I agree Uh, with you. Fair enough. Yeah, God. you know what I'm thinking, Mike. For like, I think my favorite MMA moments with you are is when the nonsense is happening, and I'm not sure if I liked it more. The stream of text you were sending me after uh, Manny Newton knocked out Kim, knocked out King Mo, and that wasn't really a freak show as much as that was a clear setup, and my man got hit with a spinning back fist, and or whereas you put it, Dada fell over like a big oak tree. Which was less funny afterwards, but at the time I was crying, laughing so hard at that one. Um, rest in peace, Kimbo, man. <laughs> so put that out there too. Rest in peace, Kimbo. Um, let's. Uh, what I say? We're gonna talk about it. Let's talk about. You know what, guys? We're gonna do. We're gonna pick some Bellator fights. Um, which ones are we picking? I've already forgot. Because the Bellator tournament has... continues. Bobby. Yeah. Why the is there two events? Continues. Why are there two events over two days? Like, what? Which one's on TV? Which one's on the zone? Like, how how is this shit happening? How are we airing these events? What's the one? I think both of them are on the zone. It says and... that. It says Paramount the, and the yeah. zone for both of them. It says why well, I'm seeing on Wiki. It says Paramount Network. The event will be live on Paramount Network, and then it says that for the other one too. I don't okay, know. Well, they, we, we both, okay, we both know it's not live in this side of the fucking uh, country. So that part's not true. Man, um, and if you combine these cards, that's a good Bellator card. One of them is in Uncasville, Connecticut. The other, they're, they're both in. A, am I missing? Wait. No, no. You're getting some bad. One's in Connecticut. The other one's in New York. That's not. That's right fucking there. Where yeah, in New York are they? That's why they can do it, Bobby, because they're so close to each My, other. Mike, how long does it take to. California, and they're going to be in New York, and they're going to do a co- co- cross country football. Uh, Mike, how far is cage? They will just carry it with that wide load truck. Take it down get the freeway. From, you can get from man. You can get from Manhattan to Connecticut in what an hour? What is it, Mike? No, no way, man. You got to remember New York traffic. Uh, wait, so, what part of Connecticut is this in? It's Connecticut's not that big. Does it matter? Mike, sell uh, it. We don't got to be that accurate. I would say an hour and a half by car. Okay, let's put it this way, Mike. Wow. Let's say both these cards were UFC cards, and they're both the tits. Let's say I was hanging out with you. 
Could we go to one of them one day in Uncasville and the other one in Uniondale the other day and not be psychopaths? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you could. Yeah, yeah, okay, there we go. This could have been one card. All right? <laughs> um, let's talk about um, the GOAT fighting, which by that I'm talking about Ryan Bader. We're talking about Ryan Bader first. Ryan Bader, Matt Mitrione. Um, does anybody actually have the tournament up? Like, where are we? How did we get here? Like, didn't they beat each, like Quentin? I don't. Chael beat Quinton. Okay, uh, yeah, okay, I'll get the other side of it. Who did Mitrione beat? Uh, did he beat Fedor? Or is Fedor in the tournament? Oh, wait, Fedor isn't, Fedor is fighting Chael. Okay. Then, what, what, okay, sure. Matt Mitrione's a heavyweight. Ryan Bader is not a heavyweight. They're going to fight. Um, do we have betting lines for this fight? Yes, we do. Um, it is Ryan Bader is a shockingly large favorite at minus two seventy five. He is yeah. nearly a three to one favorite. I'm taking Ryan Bader. I'm just gonna say that right now. I got Ryan Bader winning this whole fucking. Th- you know what? We have unnamed person winning the whole thing uh, officially. Unofficially, I got Ryan Bader. Uh, but I got uh, Ryan Bader winning this in, one. In case you wanted to know, Matt Mitrione beat Roy Nelson in his first round matchup, and Bader beat King Mo. Yeah, I got Bader. Mark, what do you got? Yeah, I, I'm with you too. I, I think uh, you know Ryan Bader is obviously the favorite in this tournament, um, being the light heavyweight champion. Uh, the move up to heavyweight is a little bit questionable, right? And he's actually going to be facing a heavyweight this time, whereas his first fight was King Mo, who is someone that has fought a heavyweight but doesn't really have the you know the physicality to be like a true heavyweight. This dude's not pushing 250. Matt Mitrione is a true heavyweight. It's going to be an interesting clash of styles. Um, I have Bader too. I think the wrestling and the stand-up might be a little bit stronger there, but I do feel like this is probably going to be his toughest test in the tournament as well. Stefan? Uh, yeah, I'm on board. It's it's ludicrous to say the light heavyweight champ is going to be the heavyweight tournament. Um, but with respect to Matt Mitrion, though I'm not taking him, I do believe the winner of this is the winner of the whole thing. Um, if Mitrion makes a pass Bader, I hands down think Mitrion's path, whether it be Fedor or Chael, is clear. Um, he'll absolutely knock out Fedor, and I don't think Chael will be big enough to wrestle him. Um, so th- this this is the true final right here. But um, yeah, you may as well stick with Bader. He's the most legit fighter in the prime of his career in this tournament. Um, Mike, you gonna join us here? Let's sweep it. That's right. All right, we're gonna jump to the other card now, where Fedor Emelianenko still fighting. Um, probably a little jealous that jealous that Putin called. Khabib, apparently. Probably feeling a little jealous. Um, he's going to take on... Bobby, you fucking meet Putin's best friends with Fader. He gets calls every weekend <laughs> just to see what's up. Um, undefeated and undisputed. Chael Sun is out there, folks. Um, betting lines in this one. Um, Fedor's minus 265. Uh, okay. Chael, plus 225. Uh, okay. Marcus, who do you got, buddy? Well, now I have to reevaluate everything Uh, because I have Chael. I feel like his physicality and just the athleticism he has, he's just going to be a little quicker than uh, Fedor is. You know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, though, because he'll get Fedor down. I'm certain of that. He's probably going to get fucking armbarred, too, because if there's one thing Chael... When was the last time Fedor did that to somebody? He does it to a lot of people. (laughs) Let me tell you someone someone who gets caught in a lot of fucking submissions. It's chill fucking Sonin. How long has it been though, man? We saw him beat a guy. He he does his own story himself. He'll he'll beat this guy for three rounds, two rounds, 
four minutes and 50 seconds, and he'll get armbarred at the very last 10 seconds, because that's chill. That was eight years ago, though! Wow, he doesn't matter. This okay. dude hasn't gotten any better. You, just... you said, are you changing your pick? I thought you were going to pick Trail. Oh, I mean... Mm -hmm. I'll be honest, Mark. I I made that I made those noises I did with the Betty lines for the same reason you are now. Like the fuck? I'm like, Bobby, why? <laughs> Bobby can't take this stance and then now not pick Chael. So yeah, uh, dude, I'm thinking. To me, I'm wondering what I mean. I fuck. I don't know. Well, at anymore. first I was with you, Bobby. I was like, this guy's younger. I think he's a little bit younger, maybe. I just thought like his athleticism. Dude. He's a much better wrestler. He's gonna take him down. But then I thought this dude gets fucking caught in submissions all the time. And Fedor legitimately has a good guard. Um, yeah, it's been a while since we've seen it. Maybe he doesn't have it anymore. Um, I am going to go with Chael. I'm just more comfortable there. But looking at that line, that line is making me real nervous, Bobby. I'm real nervous with that line. That I think a lot right of the residents to end up just picking Chael. I think right now you and me are a couple games behind these two cats. And I we're mean, actually, we're actually tied, Bobby. Who? Me and you. For what? My uh, my two and four second. last week, and your four and two uh, had you catch up for second place. How much ahead of Mark am I? Can I afford to pick? Uh, Mark <laughs> two and four really set him back. Oh, okay. Yeah, I I, I I made those noises, man. I really think Chael's going to win. Is it a three-round fight? I got Chael. I think Chael's going to win. Stefan, what do you got? The real greatest of all time. Fedor, oh, I'm sorry, that's John Jones. Uh, but the next greatest of all time, I'm going to take Fedor because the key to beating Fedor is you got to finish him. And Chael don't finish people. Um, that's that's really why I, I, I agree he'll probably get taken down, but Chael's incapacity of finishing people, it's it's not there. He does silly random shit. And Fedor still cold-cocked Frank Mir. Even though it's a fat, I thought he was retired Frank Mir. Fedor still has he when he throws that overhand, it still packs power. Um, he's a real heavyweight, and he, you know he, he's used to fighting his usual pudgy self. He never looks any fatter than he normally does, and yeah, that that rampage was a bit of a it was a bit of a I I, I think that was the not not asterisk, but it's kind of the outlier in that he got a win in this tournament. But you know, Fedor versus Bader will probably be an interesting fight. Fedor gonna show up looking real well, well fed, and I'm gonna feel better about my pick at that point. Mike, <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, with Chael on this one. Um, Fucking why? You have a love it. I love it when only one person <laughs> or nobody <laughs> picks the favorite. We're just, we're just gonna give Steph. Stephon's gonna pick up his first championship this year <laughs> because we're all picking Chael over Fedor. <laughs> well, look. I think this is one of those classic matchups where who's more washed. And I mean, Sonnen's old, but he didn't look fucking... bad against Rampage. And oh, Emelianenko's last good fight, where you know he looked okay, and was against you know big fat Frank Mir. Okay, fair enough. Um, back to the other night of fights, Sergey Khartanov. Which Stefan, what has Sergey Khartanov been up to? Please look that up. The dude take... has been fighting a bunch in Russia. He's fought three M1 fights and won for a Russian cage fighting championship. His most recent fight was a no contest due to accidental eye poke on a card he headlined against Anton Vyazigin. I I'm not, I'm pretty sure I didn't pronounce that right. I don't know who accidentally eye poked who, but it did end up a uh, no contest. I want to say I saw him on a glory card at some point in the, oh, he did. Okay. He did fight in glory. I'm not imagining shit. He did get, he got his ass whipped by Rico. Because everybody, everybody except Bader Hardy gets their ass kicked by v Rico uh, Verhoeven. Um, Roy Nelson, I don't like picking Roy Nelson to win fights. I really don't. He's minus three hundred. 
Who the fuck did he beat? Yeah, talk, talk about a betting line that confuses me. Yeah. We're just having this conversation about it. I, I've been off of Roy Nelson for a good three years. <laughs> I don't know how he's still going. To, then to see him be a minus 300 favorite, this is this is boggling. Yeah, I'm thinking Roy Nelson. I don't. He, he's not going to. I don't know. Stefan, <laughs> I got Roy Nelson. What do you got? Um, I just don't like picking Roy Nelson. He's he's looked washed for a while. Um, removed from this no contest, it said it was originally a majority decision for Harry Tanov. He's been active two fights in 2018, three fights in 2017. He's technically on a five fight win streak. I don't. I know it's not against the best competition, but Roy hasn't exactly been fighting. You know the prime, the cream of the crop. Either Roy's getting fatter, and he's forty-two. So Sergey seems like he's a more active and competent fighter recently. I'm going to chalk up the betting line due to just people not really knowing who Sergey is. Um, but I'm going to take the a big underdog here in Sergey. Okay, before we continue, Wikipedia says Roy Nelson weighs two hundred and forty-six pounds. Who thinks they meant two sixty-four and mistyped? Because come on, man, Would when the fuck three fifty-four? Two forty-six. And what do you think it is? 264. Oh. I no. think they might be dyslexic and they meant to write 426. No. Oh, okay. You, guys are, you think you think Roy Nelson is cutting like 80 pounds before the fight? I think Roy Nelson is not, I think Roy Nelson weighs two weighs 265 pounds. That's what I think I'm about Roy Nelson weighs. Yeah. Uh, not Mark, like, who do you got? Yeah, um uh you know, I actually know who uh Sergey is. I actually like him a lot. I'm still gonna go with Roy Nelson. Um, <laughs> Uh, we all I know mean, who he is on some level. You know more, though. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I actually I was a big fan when Sergey went into Pride. Uh, this dude would drill some fucking body shots, man. They were fucking nasty. His, his fight where he was a heavyweight versus uh, Ninja, who uh, was a great fucking fight. Um, I, I, what I'm concerned about here is Sergey uh, has never been, like, a great grappler. Um, especially on the bottom. I'm kind of thinking Roy maybe can muscle him down and do something on the ground where I think, you know, Roy used to be fairly competent there. Um, we haven't really seen a lot of it now. If this just turns out to be a slugfest, could be really fun. But it seems like Roy really just, he gets into a lot of these fights where it's just a clinch fest and they're just up against the cage. I think he might be a little bit heavier, a little stronger than Sergey. Maybe can really snooze some rounds with the clinch game. Um, and, I, and I like him on the ground a little bit more than Sergey. So um, it, it could be a really fun fight. I'm hoping for the best. Um, and I would not be disappointed if Sergey gets a win here. That'd be a big feather in his cap. But uh, I'm going to go with Roy. Mike. I have no idea who Karatanov is. And I'm trying to win this year. So I got to be strategic with uh, my picks whenever uh, – Steph goes on the other side, so I'm going with Nelson. <laughs> I'm going to be in second place at the end of this fucking thing somehow. <laughs> Watch it happen somehow. Benson Henderson taking on Saad Awad. Um, I like Saad Awad a lot. He's one of those Bellator guys that uh, I actually pay attention to a um, bit. He's a massive underdog in this one. Like, Steph, what is he, like, plus five, is it? I just closed it. Um, ben, Bendo is minus 425, and Sadawad is plus 305. Okay, so I don't like these odds necessarily. I think Benson Henderson is going to win. I don't think Benson Henderson is washed necessarily um, because um, he actually looked pretty good against Michael Chandler um, besides the German suplex. Um, he didn't really have a problem with Roger Huerta. I remember the uh, Pitbull fight was real close too. I don't think Benson Henderson's as done as a lot of people think he is. Um, he's had a lot of fights. He's 34 years old. So I got Benson Henderson to win. I just, 
I just don't like those odds with a guy who hits as hard as Saad Awad because Saad, if I'm not mistaken, he put out um, Will Brooks, right? He did, and I, I may as well just pick on this because I was going to bring it up anyways, but by all accounts, he kind of just caught him. Not that it was necessarily fluky, but he definitely caught him. He was an underdog in that fight, and in the rematch, Will Brooks grounded the hell out of Awad. Awad, ultimately, he's mostly a boxer, and that's why I like Bendo in this fight as well is because... I've always thought of Will Brooks as Benson Henderson light. And so if Benson Henderson <laughs> fights as I would hope Benson Henderson would, he should have a massive grappling advantage. Um, again, even though Wad's on a four-fight win streak, he ultimately has always been predominantly a boxer. And um, Bendo's got the grappling acumen for no reason at all because it's what he does. I'm just going to additionally say he wins by split decision just because yeah, that's, that's how Benson Henderson wins when he likes to win. With a, but he'll have a sweet walkout song, as usual. I like Benson's walkout a lot, personally. I'm a fan. Um, and we did see, uh, Marcus, we did see uh, Saad take out, um, what's his name? Uh, he beat up Cyborg uh, when we were at the Beltor fight, I remember. I remember he mm -hmm. put a pretty good performance on in that one. But also Cyborg was pretty washed. What do you think, though? You got Bendo getting this thing done here? Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I don't think... I never really felt like Benson was washed. I think my biggest takeaway with his stint in Bellator is kind of what I always think and always want to give the guys credit for in the, you know, the lesser organization is like, these guys are no slouches. Like, I think there's a stigma with the B tier organization that they don't have the talent. And that's why these guys aren't in the UFC. And what we've seen time and again is UFC fighters come over and they don't always do so great. And Benson has struggled in Bellator. And I don't think it's because he's done or washed. I just think the competition here is top level. And I think Benson, not only did he really put himself out in these fights, like he's actually fucking trying that Chandler fight. He fucking went for it and just came up short. So I don't think he's lost like a step or anything. I think he's just, he's fighting really tough competition. And maybe, um, you know, a lot of the... MMA generalists just didn't think, you know, the guys in Bellator were that good. I think he'll have a good fight here with Saad because you mentioned, I think he's going to have a huge grappling advantage. I think he's going to be able to get in the clinch. He has to be careful about his entries. But once he does, I think he'll be able to take it down, get some ground and pound in, steal some rounds, and get a decision. Um, I thought we're only picking those four, right? There was nothing else? I think. Those are the four? Um, it would be nice if Lorenz Larkin was fighting somebody I recognized. Um. And There's I've names long... on these cards. Both these yeah. cards have yeah, like, they got they got Schlemenko on there. Um, they got Kongo, you know honestly, um, Kimbo, little Kimbo, little Kimbo is someone to point out there. Um, and you and me saw Rodney Carrington fight. I remember his name. Um, he wasn't bad either. Is uh, Timothy Johnson the large, bald, fat man with a nice mustache? Correct. The the cop mustache. Yeah, All cop right. mustache. That's gonna be terrible. Versus the uh, the ball kicker himself, Czech Congo. It could man. be it could be entertaining. People don't even know, man. Czech Congo was actually like a fun fighter to watch back in the day. It was like, <laughs> and Andy Main. I want to say Andy Main was from Tough. I, that name sounds familiar, actually. Um, he's whoa. Uh, he's a big underdog. Also, just before we uh completely forget, I I also pick uh Bendo. Oh my god, my god I apologize. I apologize. We, we all, I think we all figured he was gonna go to Bendo. Um, yeah. yeah. So two Bellator fights. I think I might get the zone. We'll see. Or, you know what? Actually, I could probably use my parents' Paramount Network. <laughs> my direct TV, my parents' direct TV to watch Paramount Network. That might be the move. I really, um, really read that channel as Dajan. That is how I, I read it. That's still, that's still how I read it. Luke Thomas calls it Days In, like the hotel. So, that all, all these sound better than The Zone, technically. 
Marcus, somebody do some 20 questions? Yeah, we can do a real quick one here. You guys have 20 questions to guess the fighter that I'm thinking of. What you got? All right, Mike, go ahead. Is it a man? It is a man this week. Can we always have the same basic starter three questions? Are they an active fighter? They are not an active fighter. Have they been a champion in, you know... <laughs> the organizations? The, organiza the major organizations we've mentioned previously. Yes, okay. He is he this fighter has been a champion of a major major organization that we're vaguely referencing. Mm -hmm. mm. Has he fought in the last five years? Uh in the last five years, I want to say no and I'm right. Was he a champion in the UFC? He was. All right, so when did uh okay, 5 years eliminates what? Uh, does it eliminate it definitely obviously eliminates flyweight. Uh, does it eliminate bantamweight and featherweight? When did that shit show up? Longer than All 5 right. years on. Uh, going to ask a question. Those... We're speculating out to that. Are they okay. American, Mark? Uh this gentleman is American. Was this person a champion at 170 pounds or greater? Greater or higher? Yes. Okay. Is is my, is my guessing a question, or does that end the game if I make a it guess? It, it ends the game, I think. Yeah, it's a game-ender. How, how confident are you in your guess? Were they a teacher? Uh, like a coach or something? Yeah, I would say this is like... Oh, wait, wait, wait. Like a teacher. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you, you, you know who I'm specifically alluding to. Yeah. Okay, what there was he, a Kevin James movie a, that was basically... A, a teacher mm. at a... At a, at a no. educational institution? No. Okay. Okay, so it's it is, not it is not Kevin James. Oh, what? He'd be an actor. But... Was he a champion at 205 pounds or greater? Uh, no. Okay, so we're talking about a middleweight or uh, American middleweight or... Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Or, Richard or, or we got welterweight and middleweight. Um, um, he hasn't used Matt Hughes yet, right? No, he hasn't. So that's what I thought. I thought we were going that way too. So you might want to ask... About a train accident? I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say train. I'm sorry. Did I take that dark? I didn't I, mean I, to. I, I, a little bit well, I was gonna say if he asked if he's a member of if he was a member of the Militich fighting system because we might still get Pat Militich out of this. Is what I'm saying. I was gonna go with if he was from uh, Matthews is from Illinois, right? Yeah, he is. Yeah, I was. That's what I was gonna ask. Go uh, ahead. Is, is he from Illinois? Uh, he is not, and that is ten questions. Jesus, All right, ready? Was this person a member of Militich fighting systems? Uh, they were not. Okay. You asked if he was American, not if he's white, right? Yeah, he asked if he was American. He so was Carlos know. Newton the answer to this ever? Carlos Newton is also not American. He isn't? No. no. He's oh, he's Canadian. You're right. Fuck. Yeah. Good call. And he's also been the answer to 20 questions before. Yeah, yeah. that was also that too. <laughs> uh, um, Mark all right. Fucking is... middleweight champ. Is he a Caucasian? Uh, yes. I can say with right. confidence this time that this is a Caucasian American male. Okay, let's start knocking out champions here. All right. Um, at welterweight. So, okay. It's, it hasn't fought in five years. So, we're at least at... I don't think he's... I don't think... I mean... Is it a middleweight? Was, it, was he a middleweight champion in the UFC? Was he a middleweight champion in the UFC? No. Who? Okay, I was about to So, then he has to be a welterweight. Before, yeah. Because I was going to... Anderson was champ for a long time, and 
I don't even remember who was champ who before Who the fuck him. was welterweight champion? Is he, um, does he coach, uh, Frick? What is, uh, oh, hey. what is that Weidman uh, camp? Yeah, uh, Sarah Longo. Is he a part of Sarah Longo? He maybe. He is. Is Wait he? So is, I believe, it, is he is the first part of that equation then? Is it? Wait, wait, let me let me ask. Bobby, why are we using questions? Okay, no, we go ahead. Figured it out. <laughs> we are, yeah, we are not breaking we any records. Go ahead. Uh, Bobby, go ahead. You want to ask more questions when we've already figured out. Go ahead. No, Even go ahead. ahead. I'll ask it after. Are you ruining my joke now? Go ahead. It's, it's Bobby's favorite person that he ever met. He loves him so much. He even listens to his terrible podcasts and his terrible adventures with Dana White. Is it, is it Matt Sarah? It is Matt Sarah. I was going to ask, has this person blocked us on Twitter? Which Matt Sarah has. <laughs> still. We're, we're still blocked. <laughs> who got us blocked? Who, who Was it you or Mike? That was me. No, that was him. That was me. Uh, we're, we're, blocked, we're blocked by Will Brooks because of all of us, I think. Was that me? I just asked him why he didn't have a photo with all the champions when he was a champion. It, wasn't it was a either, it, it, it was a general, like, why aren't they repping you? No, no, I think it was either that or he was complaining about Bellator and I asked how many fights were left on his deal. It was one of those two that did it. Okay. <laughs> oh, that man seems real oversensitive if either of those is the reason. Yeah. Um, Matt Sarah, folks, look it up. Man knocked out GSP. That shit happened. Knocked him out. Um, he won a uh, season of The Ultimate Fighter to get that opportunity as well. That was a weird season. Yeah. it One of the best seasons, if I'm being honest, but it was weird. I like that they. Uh, what was, who was just writing? Who, who was the weirdo on that one? Who was in all the weird shit? Shoney? When Shoney started spray painting shit. Well, there was I. Oh, I can't remember if Jeremy Jackson was in that. I think he was in that season. He's the guy that that literally jumped over the the wall and went on a date with the lifeguard or some shit. Isn't Jeremy Jackson facing like in jail for rape now too? Is that Jeremy Jackson? Sorry, season four, Ultimate Fighter. Yeah, I got some. That's when uh, Shoney Carter teaches GSP how to do the pimp walk. It's very important moment in tough history. And if you're going to watch Tough, Old Tough, Tough 5 remains the best season of Tough. Just, that's like known shit at this point. Maybe yeah, the tough odd one. numbers were good. The first one, the third, the yeah. fifth. Oh, the, seven, you know, the seventh one was Quentin and Forrest, and you can see Quentin be the worst basketball player you've ever seen. <laughs> what was the joke? They said uh, Rampage says he's the worst. Uh, he says no black person plays basketball worse than him. And then one guy says, Forrest Griffin shoots like Larry Bird in his prime. That was <laughs> that was a good one. Uh, okay, um, let's do stuff we like and let's make it fucking quick. Um, I'll go quick. I finished season two of American Vandal. Um, show's good, man. I watched it. I mean, it's a spoof of – it's kind of a spoof of um, Making a Murderer. Really, that type of show. Um, I talked about how the first season was about uh, somebody. It's, a, it's it, 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 the crime was somebody in a high school had spray painted dicks on all of the teachers' cars in the um, parking lot. This season's got a new crime, a different school. They did a. It's legitimately a good show. It's not just a gimmick. Like they make some good points. They make a lot of interesting points about um, culture right now and social media and all that stuff. It's an interesting show. I really dug it. I think it was eight episodes. Eight or nine episodes, I think. And each episode is like 30 minutes, 35 minutes. Really good show. Um, you guys, I think you guys would all like it, quite frankly. The dumb jokes aside. As good as the dumb jokes are. But I think they did a really good job. Second season, 
you know, sometimes the show has an interesting concept. You worry that the second season, um, just they didn't really think they'd get this far. You worry about that sometimes. I think Heroes would be a good example of that. I think some people on this podcast might agree with that. Um, but this show, they actually had some ideas. It was nice. They kept it up. They did a good job. Um, really, really dug it. American Vandal. You can watch both seasons. They're both good. Stefan? Um, I'll just pick it up since I think Bobby was referring to me because to this day, I consider Heroes the worst show that I saw through to the end. Um, I should have jumped off ship off of it for maybe three years and I just kept, kept, I, kept I, stayed on the, I stayed on the ride just to see where it would go and I definitely felt like I wasted my time in doing so. Um, but the stuff I do like, I want to mention two movies that I've seen recently. Um, one of them, I'm going to give, I'll go ahead and give a shout out to Venom. Uh, it's reviews are remarkably low. Um, and I will say probably not deservedly. So is it a good movie? Not really. Um, is it a fun comic book movie? I'd say so. I think the problem with it is, is we've kind of realized comic book movies can be more than this. Um, so we kind of expect more nowadays, but if you were to put this in 1998 or 2000, we probably would have loved it more. I kind of, in, in the hierarchy, I kind of put it with those early X-Men, maybe the first Raimi Spider-Man. Um, it has a 90s feel to it. it. It's very simplified action, violent story, low motivation villain. Um, but is it not fun? It's absolutely fun. Are there moments that are very poorly acted that are very like, I can't, there are moments I definitely said like, this is just silly. Not in a fun way. This is just like, this is just silly. And uh, But again, that doesn't mean it's, you know, again, I, I'm more so just coming from the end of, like, the, the reviews on it are a little excessively harsh, in my opinion. Um, and the box office seems to really support this movie. It, it's, it's for the mainstream, right? I don't think the Fast and the Furious are good movies, but they make so much money that my opinion doesn't matter. You know, um, Venom is a movie for the simple masses who aren't craving anything deeper than the surface level. Um, and that sounds like a dig, but sometimes that's all you want. And that's what Venom will give you. Um, but a movie that I do want to say in terms of positivity is um, I saw A Star is Born, and I think that movie is a goddamn masterpiece. Um, Bradley Cooper's first directing role is exceptional. I always really respected and appreciated Lady Gaga as an artist, and now I can say she is absolutely exceptional as an actress. Um, it is a really, really well worth your time movie. Um if you've ever known or s someone who has or struggled yourself with either addiction or depression, um, this movie taps a lot of those strings. And like, there are moments that triggered me in my personal history. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just, it, in that sense, it just felt really real. It felt very, very real and not necessarily like this Hollywood, um, you know, over exaggeration of things. Like, again, if you've known anyone who's really battled the horrors of addiction and depression and the, the depths of where people can fall to, this movie really hits those things. But at the same time, it has very, very beautiful moments. Um, How was Dice? Andrew Dice Clay, as someone who I historically don't like because I find <laughs> his character grating, and I know he's meant to be that way, um, he he plays uh, Lady Gaga's father in this movie, um, just as a... a I'm blanking on her actual name in the movie because it's still so fresh. Allie. But, um, Allie, that's right. Um, yeah, no, he does wonderful. All the, all, there's no actor that I had a problem with. Even Dave Chappelle, who only has a couple scenes in the movie, 
he hits it out of the park. This is just a really well-crafted movie across the board. Um, Again, I I think it's absolutely worth your time. I I don't know that if it was on everyone's radar. I know whenever I saw the trailers, I just kept having this inkling in my heart, like, this seems like it's going to be a really good movie. I feel like the people who made this really put a lot of, like, love and care into it. And I was happy to see it. Um, I think it's got, like, a 93 on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, I'm hearing people think it's it should it deserves Oscar buzz. Um, truly, one of my favorite movies in years. Hot, can't recommend it enough. Uh, go see A Star Is Born. Yo, Mike, you heard Stefan out there trashing Fast and the Furious. I'm pretty sure under the Habib laws, you and I can throw Stefan a beating with no repercussions, right? Because that man just attached. <laughs> he just he had, he just attached attacked our religion, baby. Uh, that is our shit. Not, not- <laughs> Not just throw a beating on Stefan, but any any person in his crew and any of his family members, <laughs> if we so deem it as well. <laughs> that was, I crack myself up. Marcus, uh, what do you got this week? I'm going to come back to you, Mike, in a second. Yeah, um, not a ton on the gaming front this week. I think the big uh, juggernaut is the Call of Duty series, um, which this year Black Ops 4 does not have a single-player campaign, which is something that none of the other Call of Duties have ever done before. Um, but this does have a battle royale mode, which is all the rage nowadays. And I think myself included, didn't really think too much of it. It just seemed like they were kind of following suit with what is really popular, what's a really fun game mode. Um, but they actually had a beta for the, um, I think it's called Blackout, which is their battle royale mode. And people really seem to dig it. And watching a video of it, I was like, this actually looks pretty good for a battle royale type mode. Um, basically, you know, you take that premise, but have the polish of a Call of Duty game, add in vehicles and some of the Black Ops flair with some areas with their zombies and having kind of kooky futuristic weapons. Um, people really seem to dig it, which is, um, I'm happy for Call of Duty fans. It seems really cool. Um, you know, Fortnite and PUBG have really dominated that space. And I think a lot of people didn't think there could be a third player. A lot of times in these new genre games, there's kind of two juggernauts that kind of control the field and people try to copy and mimic and can't really seem to get their way in, but it seems like you know Call of Duty is a big enough franchise that is an interest to enough people to maybe get people interested in that. Um, I did want to mention something I recommended last week that I know Mike is into. I've uh, been playing a little Mega Man 11. All I could say is Mega Man is hard, and I am not good at it. So I've uh, been struggling a little bit, but it is actually a really fun game. Uh, but for my thing I like this week, I, what I really wanted to talk about for you know a brief second is I listened to the first episode of the first scripted Marvel podcast called Wolverine the Long Night. And I really enjoyed it. Um, uh, Probably like you guys and obviously our listeners, if they're listening to this, um, I listen to a lot of podcasts. They're more in this vein where it's kind of just free-forming discussion on various topics, whether it be video games, MMA, comedy, what have you. Um, So to listen to a podcast that's actually like a written narrative that has like production values and voice actors is kind of a, a strange uh, turn in pace for me because it, it it feels more like an audiobook than like a podcast. Um, but it's kind of like a murder mystery um, that happens in Australia and Wolverine is involved. And uh, just listen to the first episode. Um, I really enjoyed it. It used to be behind the paywall on Stitcher. It is now free, but it does have ads. From what I've experienced, it's an ad in the beginning and middle, which isn't great. But um, a small price to pay. I'm really digging this so far. I imagine I'm going to enjoy the rest of the series. And I kind of hope they continue in this vein because I'd love to see more characters get kind of this short form audio treatment. I think it could be really fun. 
Mr. Sanchez, did you back clean up here again? Let me know what you got going on. Uh, one of the th- the the thing I like this week it's uh, startup companies. Um, I watched the the fights this weekend at my friend's uh, startup company. Uh, they were allowed to, you know, they're allowed to use the uh, the cafeteria area. Um, you know, for you know when they have big fights and stuff. So they brought down the big projector that they have there and he invited a bunch of people over there and i realized just how awesome uh i guess i think most startups are uh i went in there and frankly it looked like a college dorms uh you know a frat boys you know favorite dream uh it was a huge projector they had a foosball table they had uh they had a they had a basketball hoop they had pinball they had a fully stocked uh you know pantry one second um, stefan they, they haven't hired the adults yet at this place they're real new <laughs> i mean startups are where you know we go to con- further stunt our adolescence yeah uh, sorry mike continue though yeah 100 <laughs> right a startup is where you go to stay a child I mean, they, my this is still my dad still tells me the story of somebody driving a four x four through the Yahoo offices back in like 1996. So go ahead, <laughs> Mike. They had a uh, pong table. Um, yeah, of course they always do. <laughs> and frankly, the best part had to be the kitchen area because um, they have a fully stocked uh, three fully stocked beer refrigerators. Um, they obviously it was a Saturday night, so there was nothing there. But they have a uh, like the, the buffet area that you would see in a lot of those uh, stores at lunchtime. Uh, but you don't have to pay for anything there. They provide uh, breakfast and lunch for all the employees there. Uh, I went into their like kitchen grade, um, you know, like freezer, and there were all the Snickers ice cream bars a man could eat. Um, they had all the different types of juices and, and waters and sodas you could get. And they also have on the side, just all the different types of candies you want. I took like three, three things of bubblicious, man. It was great. You know how people say there's that freshman 15 when you go to the dorms, there's the tech 15, there's the tech 25 as well. Cause you work a sedentary job at a computer all day. Oh, no doubt. Um, you know, my, Mike. You know the whole point of all this shit is they want you to stay and not leave and work more. Yeah, I keep working. Yeah, my <laughs> yeah. Uh, my friend was actually talking about the other um, yesterday that when he started the job, he weighed about a hundred forty pounds, and about a year or two ago, um, he got on the scale and at his heaviest point, he got up to about hundred ninety pounds, and he said it it all started when he started working at that job and. A few of the other people that were there that are on his team, um, you know, they're they're a bit heavier. And one of them, who's a kind of big dude, uh, my friend was telling me that when he started the job, he was really, really skinny. And now he's really, really big. And uh, I asked, well, why do you think it is? And him and his team member both said in unison, the free breakfast and lunches. Because nothing will kill a diet than, wait, um, I can have like a chicken carbonara for free? Well, fuck it. Yeah, let me get that. Oh, yeah. I remember working in tech. 
I would always rationalize like this is how I increase my salary by eating and consuming more free drinks and free food. The more I eat and drink at work, the more I'm technically being paid. Like when I learned those coconut waters were like $4 a bottle. I'm like, I don't even like these, but I feel like I need to drink them just because they're fucking expensive. <laughs> uh, you're not an entrepreneur. You got to get that shit and sling it on the streets for $3, Stefan. <laughs> Mark, I brought them home and you consumed them vitamin waters too. I know. <laughs> I was just like, I'm just getting more salary. I'm slinging that shit on the street, making money. I just remember, this is not even close to the same thing, when my uh, roommate worked at the cafeteria in college, he would come back with, like, these fucking quiches, each one the size of a pie, and there'd be, like, five of them in the fridge at any time, and I had to tell him to stop doing that shit. I'm like, yo, man, I can't just eat quiche, all right? I'm going to eat quiche if that's the only thing in the fridge. Stop it. Don't bring this stuff here, man. <laughs> just on the point, I just wanted to say on the of the stunted adolescents in the, te- in the tech culture... I will say the number one statement in fights between employees is having to tell your coworker, I am not your mother. Um, that is kind of what the culture is in these tech companies. It, people leave fridges open. People leave the water running. It's people really regress into childlike behavior at these companies. So that's the downside to this, these cultures. Yeah. Mike, do you have anything else, though? You no, that was about it. Um, do you have to pay for the pay-per-view? Well, you know, I... I threw on some yeah. scratch. Yeah, I, I got I'm not you. trying to rat right. anyone out, Bobby. All right, I just asked. He didn't say. He didn't, he didn't say that. He didn't say the name of the company. <laughs> it's a startup uh, in New York. There's only two of them, right? They're gonna figure it out. <laughs> There's exactly two. <laughs> no new business has come out of New York, of course. Yeah, that's definitely. We're gonna narrow it down real easily. Um, all right, guys. Um, we got something to talk about next week. If I'm not mistaken, I'm probably mistaken. <laughs> right. Is it another bell tour? Oh, you mean, oh, for, uh, I don't know. Next week, man. You have seen like the end of October. All right. We're talking about Cage Warriors. And we're not going to really be excited about that one either. Outside of Vulcan and Anthony Smith, there's not a lot to talk about. We're coming off the high right now. We just hit the the peak, the peak craziness, crazy shits happening, awesome fights. Probably going to be a little bit. You know what? That's what Khabib did this for. Khabib realized there wasn't a lot of news coming up. He had to fuck something up. You know, we can like there'll be some back and forth this week and next week, and he'll eventually get his check. Apparently, his dad's gonna yell at him. Like, yeah, he's like commission. Don't worry about it. my dad's gonna give me an ass whooping when I get home. So that's definitely how it works. Yeah, he's gonna have to uh, wrestle the mama bear now. I would oh like no. to see that. I would love to see that. <laughs> Khabib's got. Does Khabib have kids? You don't know what knows anything about Khabib except he goes to Dagestan and his dad's there, huh? We don't really know what's going on with this dude's life. The part in Embedded with Connor Jr. was adorable. Just saying. Um, All right, guys. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. God willing, you hear this podcast because I'm not confident in our recording system. But don't worry about that. I'm sure you heard it. It was great. Um, Back next week to talk about whatever happens on Bellator this weekend, the fallout of this calamity that happened this past Saturday. We'll see if they convince Daniel Cormier to fight Derek Lewis with one hand. We'll see if they have, if they realize Nate Diaz has got them by the balls and he's still squeezing. And we just make make the belt. You know who been good for 165 pounds, guys? Benson Henderson. Mm, true. That because he's looked too small at 170. 165, right up his right in his fucking wheelhouse. 165 is the mama bear of a lot of situations. Yeah, let's let's just let's get it done, guys. All right, guys, thanks for listening and uh, peace out. See ya. See ya. Later. Later.